0: Good evening. We have a couple of announcements here. Awana training is on Wednesday, August 17th, and if you have questions about that, see Trav Leonard. And then on Sunday, August 28th, we are going to be having a missionary headed to South Sudan. I didn't say that right. So, however you say the name of the country. Um... And you're supposed to see me, if you can provide transportation for her. She is flying in to San Jose Airport Saturday morning, the 27th, flying out Monday afternoon or evening on the 29th. And because she is not from this country, she is not legally able to drive in this country, so she needs someone to pick her up, drive her around. So if you can help meet that need, let me know. All right, we are going to be in the book of Habakkuk this evening. Habakkuk chapter 2. And if you've been here as we've been working our way through the book of Habakkuk, you know that we covered Habakkuk chapter 1 in three messages. But this evening we're going to try to ca- cover all of chapter 2 in just one message. And I want to remind you of the layout. Of the book of Habakkuk. I'm going to use my hand as an illustration because we've got five parts to it. First, we have Habakkuk lamenting to the Lord about the violence that he has seen in the nation of Judah. He's asking the Lord, how long will you let this violence continue? And then we see, continuing in chapter one, we see the Lord's first response to Habakkuk. And the Lord responds by saying, I will punish that evil. I'm going to raise up the Babylonians to come and bring violence on the nation of Judah, to punish the nation of Judah. But then Habakkuk responds, very naturally, at the end of chapter 1, by asking How can you, Lord, use a nation that is more wicked than us to destroy your own people, Judah? And then here in chapter 2, we come to the Lord's second response, response to that question. And in short, the answer is, the title that is on the screen, The Lord Will Punish. It is not just the people in Judah who the Lord will punish, but the Lord will punish all who do evil. And then, to round out the book, chapter 3 of Habakkuk is Habakkuk's response to the Lord. It is a response of praise and worship, but we're not going to get into that this evening. We're looking this evening at Habakkuk chapter 2, And let us begin, verse 1, we're going to read through the entirety of chapter 2. Habakkuk, chapter 2, beginning verse 1. I will stand upon my watch, and set me upon the tower. This is Habakkuk speaking here in verse 1. And will watch to see what he will say unto me, and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, and make it plain upon tables, or tablets, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Yea, also, because he transgresseth by wine, He is a proud man, neither keepeth at home, who enlargeth his desire as hell, and is as death, and cannot be satisfied. But gathereth unto him all nations, and heapeth unto him all people. Shall not all these take up a parable against him, and a taunting proverb against him, and say, Woe to him that increaseth that which is not his! How long? And to him that ladeth himself with thick clay, shall they not rise up suddenly that shall bite thee? And awake, that shall vex thee, and thou shalt be for plunder unto them. Because thou hast spoiled many nations, all the remnant of the people shall spoil thee. Because of men's blood, and for the violence of the land, of the city, and of all that dwell therein. Woe to him that coveteth an evil covetousness to his house. That he may set his nest on high, that he may be delivered from the power of evil. Thou hast consulted shame to thy house by cutting off many people, and have sinned against thy soul. For the stone shall cry out of the wall, and the beam out of the timber shall answer it. Woe to him that buildeth a town with blood, and establisheth a city by iniquity. Behold, is it not of the Lord of hosts that the people shall labor in the very fire, and the people shall weary themselves for very vanity? For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that puttest thy bottle to him, and makest him drunken also, that thou mayest look on their nakedness. Thou art filled with shame for glory. Drink thou also, and let thy foreskin be uncovered. The cup of the Lord's right hand shall be turned unto thee, and shameful spewing shall be on thy glory. For the violence of Lebanon shall cover thee and the spoil of beasts which made them afraid, because of men's blood and for the violence of the land, of the city and of all that dwell therein. What profiteth the graven image that the maker thereof hath graven it, the molten image and a teacher of lies, that the maker of his work trusteth therein to make dumb idols? Woe unto him that saith to the wood, Awake, to the dumb stone, Arise, it shall teach. Behold, it is laid over with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all in the midst of it. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. This evening, when Mrs. Butler came in, she gave me permission to embarrass her. I think she did. No? Okay. Okay. Uh, When she came in this evening and she saw the title of my sermon, she said, that that sounds really encouraging. The Lord will punish. But when you read through this passage, it is about, it's just about as encouraging. It is not an easy passage to read through. And you will be glad that I'm preaching it in one message, not spreading it out over several messages. But before we dig into this passage, let's pause and ask the Lord's blessing on our time together. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this text of Scripture and the reminder that it gives us that you will punish. That you will punish evil. And we ask that you would help us to glean the truth from it that you would have us apply to our lives this evening, help us to go away encouraged, warned, whatever it is that we might need this evening. We ask it in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, as you know, the title of my message is "The Lord Will Punish." I'm expecting that you're going to have one of two responses to that message to that statement. And I'm speaking both to the people in the room and to anyone watching online. In fact, I'm speaking to the people that watch this 10 years from now online. You're going to have one of two responses to the statement. Number one, the statement might frighten you. You might be afraid of the Lord's anger being poured out on you, of the Lord punishing you. But number two, the statement might encourage you. Now, how could a statement about the Lord punishing be an encouragement? It is an encouragement to those of us who have been hurt and who have been wronged by those who have done evil. When we see from this text that the Lord will punish those who do evil, then we and rest assured that the Lord will bring justice, and that we don't have to, that the Lord will punish. So I want to ask you, I believe I'm speaking primarily to believers this evening, but there may be someone watching, or someone here even this evening, who does not know the Lord Jesus' as Savior, who is one of these evildoers. So here's the question I want to ask you. Who am I speaking to this evening? Are you one of those whom the Lord will punish? I'm going to show you from this Old Testament prophet Habakkuk that the Lord will judge all who do evil. So if you're one of those people, and I'm going to show you in a minute that we all are in that group of people who do evil. But there's a caveat. We'll get there. But there is not a question. The Lord will punish. So you might be thinking, I've done a few wrong things, but it's nothing like what other people have done. You know, that's exactly what Habakkuk said. Habakkuk asked, How can you punish your own people, Israel? while allowing this even more wicked nation, Babylon, to prosper. They deserve your punishment, not us. But the Lord's response is so clear. They too will be punished. You will be punished, and they will be punished. Whether you've sinned a little or a lot, you stand condemned before the holy and righteous God. Why? Because you and I have chosen our own way. We have rebelled against the one who created us. This has not been a very encouraging message so far. But for the grace of God. What a miserable position we're in. Condemned with no hope. Separated from God. Destined for destruction. There's some beautiful words. Several passages in scripture. These Two words, but God. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. But God. But God. Demonstrates or he shows his love to us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He took the punishment for us. Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, one by whom the Father created all that is. God Himself was born. At a moment in time, to the Virgin Mary, by the supernatural working of the Spirit of God. The book of Philippians says, He made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross." The Almighty God, in human form, died in our place. We talked about that some this morning, as we remembered the Lord's table and the Lord Lord Jesus' death for us. But you know, we often hear people that say, well, God is unjust. God is unloving because he sends people To hell? How could a good God send people to hell? If that's what you're thinking, you've missed the point. Jesus Christ took our punishment for us so that we don't have to go there. He is the epitome of love and grace. So you know about what Jesus did for you. You are responsible then to place your trust in his death in your place. But Jesus' death came many years after Habakkuk wrote. After this book was revealed to him, this particular chapter, what the Lord revealed to him, many years later that Jesus came. But there was just a glimmer... Hope. Just a glimmer of hope, even in this passage. Look with me at Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4. This is talking about the Babylonian. Behold, his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him. The Babylonian is a proud man, he is lifted up in his soul. He thinks that he has done all these great things, these powerful things in his own strength. But the Lord's analysis is his soul is not upright. He is not one who is right with God. But, there's a contrast, but the just shall live by his faith. So in contrast to the Babylonian who is not upright, we have the one who is just. The one, another word we could use is the one who is righteous or right with God. That person shall live. Want to pause right there? As we move through this text this evening, we are going to see a contrast. There's punishment there is destruction all of these things coming for the wicked person but the just shall live there's life he says the just shall live by his faith you know we tend to think that we have life you know we have our careers we have our families we think that we have our lives but the reality is, is that we do not truly have life apart from God. He gives us physical life, but it is also only from him that we can have spiritual life. The true inner life, that fulfillment, that meaning in life that is only Possible through relationship with him. I like to define life this way. Life is union with God. You've probably heard it said, death is separation. Life is union. It is that relationship, that personal relationship that we can have with our creator. You know, he's the one who made us. It only makes sense that he would also be the one with whom, in whom, we can have true fulfillment and meaning. That we can truly have life. But he says, the just shall live by his faith. What is faith? I like the way that Dr. Innes defined faith a few weeks ago. He defined it as confidence in God. So how is the righteous person going to have this life? He's going to have it through confidence in God, through a reliance upon God. That is the way that we can truly have life. So the question for us then is, do we have this faith? Do we rely on God for our life, for our meaning, for our fulfillment, for everything about us? For our, do we find our identity in him? Really, this is the message of the Bible. That if you are going to really, truly live, you can only do that through a relationship with God. And of course, we know that it is specifically through a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Life is only accessible to you through reliance on the God. Created you. So there's a little bit of hope in this passage. And by the way, that was all introduction. Now we're going to get to the message, but I will tell you my introduction was two pages and the rest of the message is one. So we'll, we'll see how long we go here. But the Lord. Will punish. And the question for us is have we trusted in the punishment that Jesus Christ already suffered for us? If not, the rest of this message should alarm you. You ought to be afraid. Why is that? It's because you can be confident. That's the title of the series. I apologize, I did not have my slides in order there. That is the title of our series, Live by Faith, which comes from the verse we were just looking at, the just shall live by faith. But here's the big idea I want for us to go away with this evening. We can be confident that the Lord will punish all who do evil. So in the remainder of our time together, we're going to look at verses 6 through 20 specifically. And in these verses we see... These five woes, or five curses, that the Lord pronounces against Babylon. But it doesn't seem like these are limited to Babylon. It seems like these are universal principles of the kinds of people and the kinds of punishment that the Lord punishes. So let's dig in, beginning in verse 6. And we're going to see five distinct punishments that every evildoer can expect to receive. And here is the first punishment. The Lord will punish evildoers with a like punishment. And I do not mean by that that it is a punishment that they like. I mean a similar or A punishment that fits the crime. Look with me at verses 6 through 8. Shall not all these take up a parable against him, and a taunting proverb against him, and say, Woe to him that increaseth that which is not his! How long? And to him that ladeth himself with thick clay, shall they not rise up suddenly that shall bite thee, and awake that shall vex thee, and thou shalt be for plunder unto them? Because thou hast spoiled many nations, all the remnant of the people shall spoil thee. Because of men's blood, and for the violence of the land, of the city, and of all that dwell therein. So The Lord is saying, those who bring violence are going to have violence against them. Those who plunder nations are going to be plundered themselves. And what is the principle there? It is that the Lord punishes us according to our sin. Now, the question that always gets raised is how can God punish me for the little, in quotes, the little sins that I do with an eternity in a place called the lake of fire? How how is that just? How does that fit the crime? Well, when you think about the fact that God is the one who created us, we belong to him. He has every right to tell us what to do, and what not to do. And yet we choose not to do what he said to do, and to do what he said not to do. It is nothing, nothing more, nothing less than rebellion. And therefore he has every right to punish us. And truly, he doesn't even need to give us the 70 years, the 80 years that most of us get in life. He, he could send us to hell after the first sin. And he would be completely just to do that. But our God is also a merciful and a gracious God. And he does give us the opportunity to repent, to trust in him. So number one, he will punish evildoers with a like punishment. But let's see our second punishment. He will punish evildoers with a loss of life. Look with me at verses 9 through 11. Woe to him that coveteth an evil covetousness to his house, that he may set his nest on high, that he may be delivered from the power of evil. Thou hast consulted shame to thy house by cutting off many people. And then this next clause is key. And hast sinned against thy soul. For the stone shall cry out of the wall, and the beam out of the timber shall answer it. The idea there in the end of verse 10. You have sinned against your own life. You have forfeited your life. And you know this makes sense. If life is a union with God, then simply by rejecting that union with God, rejecting that relationship with God, we're also rejecting life. It is a loss of life. We sin against our own souls. And really, that is completely a self-inflicted punishment. It's not something that we necessarily, that the Lord necessarily punishes us. It's more like we say we don't want life, and the Lord says, okay, then you don't get life. You don't want it, you don't get it. And really, that is the worst part of the eternity in the lake of fire, is the fact that we are separated from God. It is the complete loss of life. We're completely separated from God, from the presence of God, from the the righteous workings of God. Because right now, evildoers have the benefit of living in a society where the Spirit of God is restraining evil. There is some presence of God, if we want to think of it that way. But, ultimately, they're getting what they chose. The loss of life. The complete separation from God. But like I said, we know where we can find life is in the Lord Jesus Christ, through trusting in what he did for us, his death on the cross in our place. But let's move on to our third punishment. And again, this punishment is self-inflicted. The Lord will punish evildoers with a legacy of no value. Look with me at verses 12 through 14. Woe to him that buildeth a town with blood and establisheth a city by iniquity, Behold, is it not of the Lord of hosts that the people shall labor in the very fire and the people shall weary themselves for very vanity? For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. There's a contrast in these verses. He says, It is not, is it not of the Lord of hosts that the people shall labor in the very fire? So it's like there's a fire going, and I'm building something in the fire. It sort of defeats the purpose of building something if it's currently being burnt, burnt up, right? That's the point. They are building things that are just going to burn up. There's, they have a legacy of no value. There's nothing. The next statement there, "...and the people shall weary themselves for very vanity." The idea is this emptiness, this worthlessness. That is what the people who rebel against God are choosing for themselves. They're choosing a legacy of no value. A worthless life to look back on. But there's a contrast in verse 14. In contrast to the emptiness and the worthlessness of, those, of the lives of those have rebelled against the Lord. In contrast, we have what will endure forever and that is the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. In contrast to emptiness and worthlessness, we have glory. And again, if we are in that relationship with God, that means that we get to share in that glory as well. But the third punishment we see is that the Lord will punish evildoers with a legacy of no value. Moving on to punishment number four. The Lord will punish evildoers with a lasting shame. Look at verses 15 through 17 with me. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that puttest thy bottle to him, and makest him drunken also, that thou mayest look on their nakedness. Thou art filled with shame for glory. Drink thou also, and let thy foreskin be uncovered. The cup of the Lord's right hand shall be turned unto thee, and shameful spewing shall be on thy glory. For the violence of Lebanon shall cover thee, and the spoil of beasts which made them afraid. Because of men's blood, and for the violence of the land, of the city, and of all that dwell therein. So again, we have this similar principle that we saw earlier, that... You commit a sin, your punishment will be similar to the sin. It will fit the crime. Here, the Babylonians were bringing shame on the people that they conquered. And this is extreme shame, nakedness. And the Lord says, that's the kind of shame that you're going to get that there's going to be this shame on evildoers because of their sin. And again, we can contrast this. In fact, the Lord does contrast in verse 16, Thou art filled with shame for glory. There's again the contrast between are you going to live your life Are you going to be ashamed of your life when you come to the end of your life? Or are you going to have glory? Is it it going to be something that the idea of glory is this majestic excellence? That is the opposite of shame. Which is it that you're going to look back on your life and you're you're going to see this glorious life because it was in relationship with God? are you going to see this life that you're ashamed of? Because you lived apart from God. So that is our fourth punishment. And again, it is very much self-inflicted. And punishment number five, our final punishment. The Lord will punish evildoers with a lifeless support system. That's a big way of saying idols that can't help you. Look at verses 18 through 20 with me. What profiteth the graven image, that the maker thereof hath graven it, the molten image and the teacher of lies, that the maker of his work trusteth therein, to make dumb idols? Woe unto him that saith to the wood, Awake, to the dumb stone, Arise, it shall teach. Behold, it is laid over with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all in the midst of it. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence for him. Again, we've got a contrast. We've got a contrast between the dead idol and the Lord who's in his holy temple. And the Lord is saying you've chosen to trust in an idol that can't help you. Again, it's self-inflicted. You've chosen to trust in something that can't help you. Instead of choosing to trust in God. And I think we can apply this principle beyond just the wooden and the stone idol. Whether it is some philosophy that you put your trust in, some person that you put your trust in, if that person is not walking in a relationship with God, ultimately, he doesn't have life. He or she does not have life. So instead of trusting in the idols and trusting in these philosophies of these people, we need to trust in the Lord. So those are our five, the five woes or the five curses that the Lord gives to Babylon. And I think by application to evildoers today. And I think it's helpful to us. I realize that I'm speaking to believers. So you've already trusted in Jesus Christ. He has already taken your punishment. So perhaps this evening it is just an encouragement to you. That the people out there, the people who take advantage of you, who do those wrong things, they will be punished. But I think there's also application for us in the fact that while we do have life, already we have life, there is an extent to which we we can still sin, right? We can still rebel against God and when we do there is this I don't want to say we have less life because we have life there's, the life can't be taken away from us but at the same time there is sort of a Loss of the enjoyment of the life. Because we still have our relationship with God. But when we rebel against Him, we lose some of that fellowship with Him. So I think this can be a warning to us, even as believers, that we need to...